Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire football podcast, MWWire.com. Matt, they should know if they're here, they some, somehow, some way have to find the website, right? Have to. Uh, presumably. Or could I mean, it retweet? could also be that they were recommended this podcast by Spotify. It'd be like, you know, if you like no X, you might like this particular podcast on Mountain West football. And if so, yeah. first time listeners, welcome. Welcome aboard. MWC Wire on Twitter. I can make the same joke as long as that lasts, so we'll see. I don't know. But MWWire.com is always there. It's a lame same joke everybody's making, but you know, it's a it's it's fine. It's all good. Nothing. It's the burning guy with the coffee, right? In the background. Mm-hmm. All right. So we got we Matt, we are very close to the end of the season, which is sad. However, there's still a good amount. November football is when big boy football starts. We have lots of stuff going on about who can win the title, who can't win the title. We got some scenarios laid out by a good uh, what's a Stephen Hicks over at ABC 30. I've been doing some yep. of this as well, but they they put it early out there, so we'll get to these game by game as we go throughout. Sounds because like plenty. They, they put it better than I did. I'm like, sweet, I can share this and help people out and give them credit. So we start Friday night, Aztecs and Lobos. Um, first thing I want to mention about this game, it's on CBS, or excuse me, uh, oh, Matt, I see San Diego State. What do you assume? CBS, right? <laughs> CBS Sports Network, to be more specific. Not the case this week. They are on FS1. At an awkward 7.45 Mountain Time kick. Is there a game before this? Is that why? What's the deal with this time? That is a good question. I don't have the overall schedule in front of me. Like, is there a game at 4, 4 p.m. Mountain Time, 6 Eastern? That I wouldn't no finish idea. in time? <laughs> Regardless, we have this game. Uh, Aztecs are a big 14.5-point favorite. Over-under is 37.5 because, you know, the uh, Lobos can't score points. And if we go off last week, Matt, Aztecs can make the over-under on their own. Are they an offensive juggernaut now? What's the deal? They're scoring points. Well... Okay, so I know that you're saying that at least partly in jest, but they have, you know, they've actually been significantly better with Jalen Maiden under center. One hundred percent. 
Yeah, and and they and but I say that, but I also recognize that you know a lot of the improvement, remarkably enough, has come in the passing game. You know, to this point in the year, Maiden is completing just under sixty six percent of his throws. He's averaging nine point one yards per attempt, which you know of the there are fourteen quarterbacks now in the conference who've thrown at least a hundred pass attempts. That's first. I can't. Never, I can't imagine, imagine the last time a San Diego State quarterback ever led a conference in yards per attempt. Um, I would imagine it has been a little while, but also, and just as importantly, eight touchdowns and four interceptions. So, you know, obviously, some of that came, you know, very early in his his quarterback. Like it took him a little while to find his footing. You know, he completed under fifty percent of his throws against Nevada about a month ago. And he has had one interception in each of the last three games. But at the same time, you know, there's no doubt that they've sort of found more of an explosive passing game than they've had in a while. The last um, time I, I got the number for you, Matt. Ryan Lindley, who I figured it would be, mm-hmm. 2010, led the conference in 9.1 yards per attempt. However, he was only 57% completion rate. It had 14 interceptions to 28 touchdowns. So it's yeah, been like you know, to to that point, especially in in the last couple of weeks, you know, since the calendar has turned to November, you know, we all knew about Jesse Matthews and how good he was. But one of the bigger questions coming into the year was how much help was he going to be able to get? Mm-hmm. And one guy who's really stepped up in that regard in recent weeks is Tyrell Shapers. You know, he's up to 30 catches, averaging almost 16 yards per per reception to this point in the year. Between the two of them, you know, they're in two in November, which is again small sample size, only two games. But there are five Mountain West pass catchers who have at least three plays of twenty or more yards through the air. San Diego State has two of them, and they're Matthews and Shapers. So, I mean, if you if you start talking about this game, you know, we know that you know New Mexico, the strength of their team is on defense, and we also know that they've they've battled in, in against sort of less than ideal circumstances, but you know, they've still held opponents under 60% completions for the year. They've still picked off eight passes, only allowed 11 touchdowns. So like they've continued to hold their own even in conference play. And so with yes. as good as maiden has been, then the question becomes, okay, well, how much help are they going to get from the running game? Because that is something that it, you know, in mountain West play has has never really come around like you even without adjusting for sack yardage um you know on a per play basis the aztecs are 10th in the mountain west in conference play 3.2 yards per carry only four rushing touchdowns and you know you you would be forgiven if you thought that jalen made might be able to mitigate at least a little bit with that, of that with his legs and he has but at the same time you, you brought it up i believe in the most recent preview podcast that we did that you know jordan bird is our leading rusher and you know when he gets the ball, like that's been their most, you know, their, their highest probability of getting an explosive play on the ground. But that's been a far cry from yeah. where it has been in years past. And so, for as good as Maiden has been, this could be a matchup where, you know, if they're not careful, they could, you know, at least force him into mistakes. Whether they can make him pay for those mistakes is another question entirely. I know it's like the time they finally get a freaking passing game. The running game's bad. You know what I mean? Not good. Go figure, right? It's like 
I don't get it, man. Like the defense is good, but not elite. It's really good, but it's not like what it what we see in the past couple of years or the ladders rocking along where they're beating up on Cincinnati and stuff and Ed Oliver and all that type of stuff. When I mean, it's, but it's also at the same time, it's also very easy to forget that the Aztecs' offensive line this year, like they they benefited from a lot of health up front, but they also are, they're still very young, you know. So there's still you know maybe a little bit of learning curve going on, like Josh Simmons the the right tackle, for example, he's still only a redshirt freshman. He started every game this year, but you know, you know, he, Ross Ulugala Masiuli, Kate Bennett, you know, those are guys who are going to probably be multi-year starters. And so, like that, ele- that element of the game may come around in the next year or two, uh, a little bit more than it has this year. But in this particular matchup, it, it you can see a possibility where New Mexico's defense sort of forces them back into the same kind of defensive slog that, you know, even when things aren't firing on all cylinders, San Diego State's, you know, perfectly fine playing that kind of game. Yeah, that's what they we've seen. The rock fight, the slug out, slug fest, whatever you want to call it, where, okay, yeah. it's 20 to 13. Cool, we're fine with that. Not a big deal. Exactly. I wonder how that'll play, though, with the lack of running game now, because if they're, they get, they're used to playing that way, but I don't, mm-hmm. well, it is New Mexico, so it's probably not going to be a real big issue. But I don't know if they're really suited to play that the way they've been doing the past month because the running game's out there. They get throwing all three downs. That's the only thing where they've done it, but I don't know if they can actually do it with their roster makeup now and performance. But again, they're playing in Mexico. I don't think that won't matter. They're, I don't expect Bird or anybody to have an amazing ground game because Mexico, New Mexico's defense is still pretty good there. But that's why it might be a touch lower scoring because if, if the passing game for Senior State kind of uh, – gets in the way or it's not as efficient. I'm not going to say Lobos are going to win or pull the upset, but it might be much closer to people think if the passing game falls flat for whatever reason. Well, not for whatever reason, but for against a pretty good New Mexico defense. So that's one area where this game might be closer than people realize or could potentially. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it, it could end up it, – it, it, they're not the same kind of offense, but it could end up looking yeah. a lot like the UNLV game a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, 17 10 right. with the defensive yeah, awesomeness. 14 to 10, but yes. Oh, 14, yeah. Close game. Close and game. and they've won that kind of game a handful of times already this year. They did it against Hawaii. They did it against Toledo as well. Yeah. So, you know, even if the offense is sort of navigating with one hand behind its back because the Lobos defense is on point, you know, they, they probably still have a substantial advantage at quarterback, if nothing else. And it strikes me as the kind of game where, like, even if Maiden gets forced into a couple of interceptions, that they still might win the game anyway because they could probably create more explosive plays in the Lobos game. That's true. But then we look at the Lobos offense, like, they have no quarterback play. That's why they, like, you said yeah. it, could, it could be 17 to 10. I don't trust them to score 10 points. Can they get an, no, offensive, touch, an offensive touchdown against this team? Like, like they're, they're okay running the ball a little bit, but. It's no, they're struggling. Of... They're struggling mightily. Like in terms of available yards percentage yeah. per drive, they're dead that, last yes. in the country now. Why well, no, they're bad? Only, I'm just saying, like only twenty six point seven percent of yards per oh. drive. Jeez, so, like, man. basically, if if you want me to lay that out for people, like, if you have a seventy or if you if you're starting at your own twenty five yard line, that means you have seventy five yards to go. That means that on average, the the Lobos are basically getting to midfield. Yeah. I mean, it's that. okay. I mean, relatively speaking, the rushing game, but still, like through through in conference play, they're near the bottom in yards per play, three point four one, way well below everybody else 
conference. They're oh sorry, let me let me resort this. Sorry, sorted by touchdowns. <laughs> they are still ninth, whatever. Still not great, but that's like the only area where they're showing some. And I stress that some signs of life. And Nasdaq's defense yeah. just gets shut it down. Like like this is not a joke. Are they going to get two hundred total yards of offense? That might be that might be pushing it. Yeah, I mean, and also, you know, we haven't really talked about it a lot this year, but, you know, Jonah Devai has really come on strong as of late for the Aztecs as well. Yeah. I didn't I didn't realize until I looked it up just now. He's up to nine sacks on the year, and a lot of, I mean, basically all of that production has come in the last month or so. Um, in the last four games, he has eight sacks. So, you know, if he had, and he's been feasting on, you know, shaky offensive lines in that, in that time, you know, at Nevada, at Fresno State, San Jose State, all have had problems up front. So this definitely seems like the kind of matchup where, you know, given that New Mexico hasn't really been great at anything on the offensive line, that, you know, he and others in that front six, you know, whether, you know, Garrett Fountain, Michael Shawcroft, whoever, uh, the Essex could eat and make life miserable for Danny Gonzalez and company. Yeah, three of their conference games are under 200 total yards of offense against Boise. It's, it's not good. They're dead last in conference play until the, not that total yards is a good stat, but I meant I wanted to see how close it was to my 200 yard guess. Well, I mean, on a, on a per play 212. basis, 212 yeah. yards per game in conference play and like three point something, I believe, if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, as they say, not good. So That's what right. are the events number say? Is it like a 96% chance Aztecs are winning this game? Is that where they're standing at? Uh, not quite close. Uh, SP Plus does like the Aztecs pretty handily, though. The uh, 80% win probability, projected margin of 14.5. Um, FEI also likes the Aztecs by 16. And uh, Parker Fleming, at Stats Award on Twitter, uh, give San Diego State a 71.9% win probability, projected margin of about 25 to 17. That seems low. I mm. I think the big thing is that, you know, these projection systems are sometimes slow to fully capture the progression that a team makes. And I think in this particular case, they've been sort of slow to catch on to Jalen Maiden in particular and sort of the shot in the arm that he's provided to this, to this offense. Points aren't always there with him. That's the thing. Yeah. Outside of last week. So, yeah. I th- there's Aztec's going to win. I th- like it's weird because I think that what they did last week, they scored, what did, they played San Jose State last week and put up 42 points in the, in the upset mm-hmm. victory. They're now bowl eligible. Uh, and, and let's not forget, going back to what you said at the beginning, uh, they're technically still alive for a conference championship. Oh. Yes, here's how they get that. They must win their final. Well, it'll be tough. They need to win their final easy way. Win two and Fresno lose two. Mm-hmm. If that's not the case, win their final two games, have Fresno State lose their final two games. And why does that matter? Why is this other? Okay, this doesn't make sense. So why do you need part two? Because here's part two. They must, oh, I guess they do bolt. Is it bolt? No, this is where it says they must win. Their final two games and Fresno State lose both their games, or win two games, have Fresno lose two games, San Jose State split the final two games. That's weird. I don't know why that's in there twice because that doesn't make I sense. If that has just... to, I wonder if that has to do with the fact that San Jose State has played one fewer game, maybe, but it may, it's like a second bullet point. 
Yeah, I mean, without getting into the the nitty gritty of the tiebreakers, that yeah. would be the but first I, thing I think of. But that was a that's a non conference game. Yeah, non conference. Yeah. So I don't know what that's about. I'll have to double check this. Uh, but uh, regardless, they got to win. Easy thing, just correct though. They win twice. Fresno loses twice because San Diego State's four and two in league play, and Fresno is five and one, and they beat the Aztecs. Mm-hmm. But I I think the like I'm I'm leaning more toward fewer points because San Diego State hasn't really done it a ton this year amount of points besides. QB play being much better, but I'm gonna go, man. I'll go 21 to three. I guess that covers, which I'm not a fan of really. I think it'll be a little, a little larger than that. I'm gonna say 28 to six. Okay, two field goals. Okay. I'm and, and uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead. Nothing. Lame joke. Oh yeah, Aztecs are gonna win. Uh, I was just gonna put it out there. I think you know the explainer with the two team tiebreaker procedure probably explains it. Um, because you know, of course, head to head is first. Uh, winning percentage of the tied teams within the division comes next, uh, and then the third one, winning percentage oh. against the next highest placed team in the division, oh, with okay. placing based on the team's conference record and proceeding through the division. So I wonder if it has to do with you know the teams that might be behind them in the standings or something like that. Oh, because I'm betting here's why too, because San Diego State beat. San Jose State. Uh, I don't know. Be, we'll look at it later. I'll read it in this for because they, they have the same record and could play the Aztecs have one the head to head matchup. So mm-hmm. all right. Well what's let's move on to the next game. Let's not get dive into this. Yeah, let's, we'll, 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 like, let's not get bogged down. Let's go to Saturday. Saturday, 5 p.m. mountain time. This game is huge. Biggest game of the weekend for implications on conference title or conference participants in the conference title game. Boise State at Wyoming, CBS Sports Network. 7-3 Broncos, 7-3 Cowboys, 6-0 Broncos, 5-1 Cowboys. Boise is a 14-point favorite on the road, which I'm like, why That and seems how? dangerous. That, yeah, very. For a Wyoming team who, I get it, Andrew Peasley's not amazing, but you know what the Wyoming, Wyoming does have? Pretty good running back combination. They have uh, a couple guys back there where they are making plays, and it doesn't matter if you get Titus Swin back there. It doesn't matter what's going on if you have DQ James back there, who's been. Did you DQ James? His average per carry is eight point six yards. I did know that. Okay, but he also has zero touchdowns. FYI. So. Yeah, well, here's here's the other thing that Andrew Peasley is. A runner. Questionable. Oh, that's right. Injury-wise, because he is in the concussion protocol right now. That's true, because he and, got hurt last week. Yeah, and, and according to Rams. Ryan Thorburn over there at the Casper Tribune, it was Jaden Clemens who, who came in down the stretch last week during Colorado State, who, at least on Monday, took teams uh, took reps with the first team in practice. So, um, you know, given sort of the track record of how teams have treated the concussion protocol in recent weeks, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, was it Cooper Laga who got held out an extra week because of the concussion pro- protocol a couple weeks ago? Correct. It would blame Davenport an extra game. They thought, yeah, I think the, he, yeah, I think he dressed, but they weren't like emergency situation, I believe, if, I recall, if I'm correct on that. But he's out a couple games. And then with yeah, the two, and, t- two a thing in Miami with the Dolphins, that was a nasty situation where completely botched and mishandled to get him back in for that second game where he got crushed on a Thursday night after a Monday con- Sunday concussion. 
So yeah, and and I think you know, and obviously, of course, the quarterback situation gets the most uh, attention. But Wyoming's sure. you know still battling the injury bug on both sides of the ball. You know, uh, Will Pelissier got banged up last week. Cam Stone, Jordan Burdignall, and they were they were able to sort of outlast the Rams. Um, while dealing with all those injuries, and that's on top of of uh, you know previous injuries to guys like you know Cole Godbout in, in the middle of the defense, Keontae Linton, they're starting nickelback, and it's to Wyoming's credit that you know they've they've been pushed in that regard, but the guys that they've plugged in to you know make up some of that ground have like they've mostly paid dividends, like you know Rook Brown, the new nickelback. I believe he started four of the last five weeks. He's we haven't really talked about him much, but he's played pretty well despite being thrust into a difficult situation as a redshirt freshman. Same with Gavin Meyer up front taking over for Godbout. You know, same for Jack Walsh, who stepped in for a, a couple of weeks, I believe, for Emmanuel Pregnant on the offensive line. All of which is to say, you know, like they they managed to make it work with the injury bug, but you know, I think you know it's it's a different situation when you're asking your your backup quarterback to go up against one of the best defenses in the league. You know, yeah. going from Colorado State to Boise State on that in that regard is going to be a, a huge step up. And so, while I think he showed pretty well given the circumstances, like he he didn't make any obvious mistakes. He was you know mostly sharp. He added uh, an element uh, of the game with his legs. But I do think it really is going to come back to that ground and pound attack. I think the you know, the Cowboys are probably going to want to limit possessions and you know go right at this Boise State uh, defense in the same way that they often have in recent years. Yeah, because the run, they're going to win by the running game. They have two good running backs, and if they can, both those guys can go and swing a DQ there. If they get their things going, well, I think you might be forgetting one. I would throw Dwyane McNeely in there too. Okay, he's doing his. Uh... Yeah, touchdown, 300 yards. I wish he had the two main guys. D- DQ James has come on as late the past couple of games. He only has 30 more yards, or not even 30 more yards than uh, McNeely, but he's been mm-hmm. more explosive with that huge 74-yarder and averaging 8.6 yards per carry. So they have plenty mm-hmm. of guys back there. So if you want to definitely put McNeely in there, and they'll need to do whatever they want to do. Like they got Trayton Welcher, tight end. See what he, he leads the team in touchdowns. Give a couple receivers, what, five with over 10 catches. They don't throw a lot, but like Cobbs is pretty good back there. Um, it's just this defense is gonna be tough because this is literally like how many NFL guys are on this defense they have for Boise State? Like, how good are they going to be? And then Wyoming's offense is like fine, but they only beat the Rams by one last week. And there's also to consider consider, like you mentioned what Clemens did. This could be which I said a million times last year when UNLV played how many quarterbacks, or even this year Logan Five played for Fresno State, they come in and play quite well for like a half just because oh, I'm pumped up after the play is going to sling it, do what I can do for my team. Then they prepare and settle in and then they don't play well the next week, which is, it seems like a real thing when guys get out there and just go out there and play, have fun. And then they, they prepare, they train. You, you think, okay, good, we can practice or whatever, how much Clemens is getting looks to be more than typical for him as a former walk-on. But I'm wondering if it just happens sometimes like you're the guy you come in and after your half, of a game you play well, but then you see a full game and then it's too big for them or something goes on where they don't perform as well. So that's a real concern, which is why they don't want to have to get them out there and start throwing the ball too much. They mm-hmm. got to give it to the running game, make it a safe game plan early on to try to do something against this Boise defense to hold the ball and not just turn over. Cause 
Broncos offense is okay. It it has potential to be really good, but it's they're going to win because of their defense. And Wyoming needs to figure out a good game plan the first 20 plays, whatever they want to script out, that puts, if Clement starts, in the best position to help this team do well. Okay, so here here's a question for you, which is sort of the the, the maybe the reverse of, of what we're talking about here. Is this the best defense that Tailing Green has faced so far, do you think? Uh, who's he? Possibly. Who have they played since? He's been starting since. Okay, so since so he's in order. San Diego State. Okay. Fresno State, mm. which was missing some key pieces, including Evan Williams. Yeah. Uh, at Air Force. Okay. Colorado State, BYU at Nevada. Yeah, this would be. It'd be close. San Diego State and Air Force. Air Force at times could be good. But I would say this, this well, I mean, the defense is better than San Diego State. So, so which is a, a sort of a, a leading way, I guess you might say, of but saying not the by one much. thing. I'm, not by much. The though. one thing I'm really looking forward to in this game is Wyoming's defensive line versus mm-hmm. Boise State's offensive line. Because there's no doubt that the Broncos. It, they you know, they've revitalized the offense under Dirk Cutter, but being able to just pound opponents between the tackles, you know, in conference play, you know, they're you know up to over five, you know, five yards a carry, 5.1, 17 rushing touchdowns, you know, a lot of which has to do with that tandem of of, of Green, uh, George Halani, and Ashton Genty. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we've talked more and more about this young Cowboys defensive line, young guys like Devon Harris, Braden Siders, Oluwaseyo Matosho. We mentioned Meyer a minute ago. Um, Bertignal, if, if he's close to 100%, at least I think having him around is going to be a, a huge boon for them. But I, I, am, I am really interested to see how well Wyoming gets after the quarterback and how often they can get into the backfield because – for as strong as they've been rushing the passer, like they do have a, a sack rate on defense. It's in the top 20 nationally, 8.7%. That's 19th overall. Their stuff rate is still actually below average. It's only 97th in the country, only 15.5%. So like they have been relatively consistent in that regard. Like if you look at the, the raw tackles for lost totals week in and week out, you know, they they had eleven, of course, against Utah State a few weeks ago, but they've been, you know, good but not great about being disruptive in terms of defending the run. But they're going to need to be great. And you're kind of in the same way that they were against Air Force, where they only had five TFLs, but they really limited the explosive plays. They can do that again. That is going to be what gives them the best fighters' chance. Yeah, it'll be. Part of it too, like you mentioned back the tackle stuff. I'm like, Boise's running game has been if that gets going, then it's gonna be game over. They just haven't had that consistent because we saw George Tawney do great this week, do bad. Like going back to the BYU game a couple weeks ago. I, I've seen we've seen BYU play a lot. I see the I see them play a bit more than most people who probably listen in yourself. Their rush mm-hmm. defense was terrible. They held the Boise ground attack to nothing amazing. And so it's it's there, but it's not consistent. Like Kalani probably looks like he'll get eight hundred. He's at eight forty-five, making a thousand. They have the two guys back, like you mentioned, but they get a lot. They have a lot of touchdowns. They include Taylor Green and Karan. I think if they're going to win, they need their running game to show up because they could still win if Green throws and throws the ball pretty well. But he's not. He only has seven touchdowns. 
four picks is fine in the handful of games he started. 155 attempts and four four picks. That's not too bad. That's one what every 40 attempts. It's like one just over, take, yeah. I about a game, just under a, just over a game of interception. So that's pretty good. Sacks fine. Touchdowns, it's okay. He's well well enough. But I do think Boise is going to need a, a at least an average running game, slightly above average running game to beat Cowboys. I don't know if they could, if if it's shut down. I don't know if Taylor Green can beat him by himself. Because receivers for Boise See, aren't great. He could, but they don't have an elite receiver just to take care of business. If say Halani and Gentry Gentry only get like 125 combined yards. I mean, I I want to. I mean, at first glance, I would. I think I would have agreed, but they have been better about creating explosive plays. Like in in October, for example, which I think is mostly when you know Green had the starting job in hand. Yeah. In terms of you know going back to twenty yard pass plays, for example, Boise State was actually fourth in the conference in October, thirteen plays in three games. You know, compare that to, you know, San Jose State, who led the conference, you know, 20 and four. My math, I mean, like, that's not that different in terms of like a per play basis. And in their two November games to date, they've had 10 in two games, which is, you know, the second most in the conference. So I would say that, you know, just because they haven't necessarily thrown a lot with Green under center, like he's only averaging 17 attempts per game to this point yeah but he's also he but i think you know more importantly he's also averaging 8.4 yards per attempt and if you narrow that focus a little bit more over the last month in particular he hasn't failed to clear nine and a half yards per attempt in the last four games so i do think that you know if the running game gets bottled up just because they haven't necessarily had to lean on him a lot doesn't mean that he can't do it yeah, because we he had you know he was you pushed against BYU a couple of weeks ago. They lost that game, but it wasn't because of him. No. And you know when they needed him to make plays, you know late against Air Force, he did that too. So, I think you know just because they haven't asked him to try and lead a fourth quarter rally or something like that doesn't mean that he can't. I think that well, yeah. if they need to shift gears, I think if they need to shift gears like that, they can. Because, you know, even though nobody in that receiver core is likely to be like an all-conference guy, they have all been pretty solid contributors. Like Latrell Caples is up to 32 catches on the air, 321 yards, three touchdowns. You know, they have reliable targets, you know, whether it's uh, him, Stephen Cobbs, Billy Bowens, Tanya Hooper, uh, whomever. So I think they can push the ball down the field. I just don't think that's going to be their first option. I think if they can win the game by limiting possessions and going right at this Wyoming defense, they're going to be happy doing that. Yeah, and if you look at, like, you mentioned October, like his numbers, like just the past month, they've allowed him to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. He's thrown about 25 times per game. He mentioned 9.5 yards per attempt. He only has one pick, and since his only pick is in the Air Force game, Five touchdowns, zero interceptions past three weeks. I include I know it's CSU in Nevada and BYU's defense isn't great, but that's still better. I mean, you're do what you gotta do, man. Who cares if you play against? Don't make mistakes against mm-hmm. bad defenses. And so he's been, like you said, he might be able to win a game when he drives or needs to score points. But here's the thing. Wyoming doesn't score points. So it honestly, like the oh, the line of 14 points is ridiculous. It's stupid. That's too much. 
the over under at 44 is way too much. I would have expected because Boise's offense has been up and down. Like they they've been moving the ball, but they're not always scoring points. When you look at every like the per game, not even per game, but like looking not per game, but like at each individual game, not like a per game average, but like the each you know I'm getting at like because they put 40 mm-hmm. versus Air Force, night only night or excuse me, 40 versus Fresno, 19 versus Air Force, 41 versus Nevada. They've been scoring a decent amount of points, but when they play bad teams, they do what they're supposed to do. Excluding the Fresno game, but they're also banged up and limited. Thirty-five versus San Diego State is good. They're scoring points, but the, saw the UTEP loss. I know it's a different team since then, but BYU lost. Like they are putting up pretty good, no, well, but really good points. I would say, but they haven't seen defense like this in like six weeks. Like that's the thing, they haven't seen defense like this good in a long time, and so how are they going to respond and you- against this team? And, and you know both sides are going to be properly motivated, too, because just going back to the championship scenarios for a brief moment, you know, all, all the Broncos need to do, they win in their end. Exactly. Um, but, and but you know, Wyoming is very much still in the, you know, if they win this game, they are in the driver's seat. They win their final two games, they are in. But, you know, even, you know, for Boise State in particular, like, even if they lose this game like they still have a chance to clinch next week they would just need to get some help oddly enough from fresno state in the season finale yeah. um alternatively like you know wyoming would have to beat boise state if they lose next week at fresno state they would need to oddly enough root for utah state to beat boise in the finale so you know they you know <laughs> both teams still have a little bit of margin for error but you know they're going to be hyped up to to take this one and and take control of the division for for good probably. So who do what do they mean as numbers say in this one? So uh, SP plus likes Boise State. They give them a seventy six percent win probability, projected margin of twelve point four. FEI also likes the Broncos by fourteen point seven. And uh, Parker Fleming, his advanced stats preview gives the Broncos a 79.63% win probability, projected margin of about 30 to 18. What do you think is going to happen? I think that five of the last six games in this series have been decided by 10 points or fewer. And, and you know one thing one thing we didn't really talk about with the with the New Mexico game but it's it's going to be applicable to pretty much every game this weekend. Have you seen the forecast for these games? That's what I was looking right now. It's cold but it doesn't look like it's going to be weather though. No, but I but I, you do wonder how that cold might be a factor. Dude, it's cold in Boise as well as Laramie. And if it's going oh, yeah, to be it's like going to be cold the- everywhere in the west. Yeah, it's it, but here's the thing. I'm looking at the weather right now. High of 31, but they're playing at nighttime, so the sun will be setting once the game starts at five o'clock, or if not already set. Zero percent change of precip- precipitation that day. It's probably going to be decent, nothing crazy. Went about 15 percent, so a mild breeze. It'll be about. It's cold, but I don't know. 10 degrees minus five real feel cold. So AccuWeather technically lists that as bitterly cold, <laughs> but with no precip- no precipitation. It's. I don't think it's gonna be that big a deal. And remember, I would Boise definitely last take. Week. I would definitely take no. Wyoming in the points. Yeah, I'm leaning I that do, way too. I do think Boise State's gonna outlast them, though. I'm gonna say 21 to 17. 21 17. Sorry, I'm checking one more advanced weather thing. Evening, not not daily. Okay, actually, okay. 
there could be an issue because it looks like gust of winds in that part of the country makes sense. About 20 projected that as a recorded Wednesday night, so weather can obviously change short sooner mm-hmm. than later. Wind gust up to 23 miles an hour, which is that is something when you're kicking making kicks. So it could be something if you're kicking like a 38 yard plus field goal or something. Exactly. I, I would safely take the under, which is 44. Take agree, agree with you on Wyoming. And what was your score again? You said I don't want to copy you because I forgot. Uh, 21 to 17. Okay. Because they're always close. I, man, that's pretty. That's a good score. I like that one. I don't want to be the same as you. That's boring. Um, I will go 17-14 Boise State. All right then. I think it'll be close, and yes, yeah, this will be a good one. So keep Ryan this one for CBS Sports. Next. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Next game. CSU at Air Force. Matt, why are we on FS2 again? I thought World Series is over. <laughs> there, I mean, I don't even know what's showing on FS1 at that time. <laughs> oh, uh, probably some Pac-12 game, I'm guessing. No, I mean, but it also might be that uh, San Jose State and Utah State kicks off on FS1 about 45 minutes later. Oh, okay. So it's a Mountain West game. So we'll get to that. We'll figure uh, what this is. This seems like the most FS2 games we've had in a while. So that's why I was wondering, like weird. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Rams at Falcons. Air Force is a whopping 22 point favorite. And it's 43 and a half over under going to be pretty cold. Um Let's get rid of this, this scenarios right now. Neither team can go to the conference title game. Is that correct? Uh, that is correct. Okay. Even though Air Force is probably literally the third best team in the conference, I think, in that range, somewhere in that range. That, that's close game luck for you. <sighs> 15 points in three games. Rams had a – okay, I apologize. I saw you tweeted out, but who was the latest Ram to transfer this week? Uh, that would be DeAndre Greeley, who we talked about a little bit in the in, over the summer in the, the team preview podcast. Former uh, City College of San Francisco athlete. So he's gone. Like what? What do we ask? Like, is Air Force just going to demolish him? Like by by fifty to ten or something? Like I don't see what the Rams can stick put in a way of resistance. They are. I know they've been closer. I know. Okay, we say that, but they were fourteen to thirteen last week with Wyoming, who does have a good solid running attack. And I guess their defense has been touched better here and there because. In what six, five of the last six games, they've given up 28 or fewer points, and three of those were under 20. So maybe I'm incorrect in saying that, but man, I just they haven't seen a rushing attack like this. Like San Jose State passed the ball on them, Boise just did what they want against them. Why doesn't run the ball very well? And they won that game. The points are there defensively, but I just Rod Roberts, Ezekiel Daniels, Eldridge, I, I don't see the Rams stopping this very often. Yeah, I mean, the, the big question is, can they disrupt? Because, you know, on the one hand, like, they've gotten a fantastic year out of Muhammad Kamara. He's up to, you know, seven and a half sacks. Uh, I believe, well. yeah, 14 tackles for loss. And other other guys have sort of stepped up in, in recent weeks. You know, CJ Onyechi, who, you know, came in, I, I thought that he might be sort of the tip of the spear as far as, you know, attacking off the edge. And he's he's been okay, but he's also been you know much better about. He's had you know two and a half TFLs over the last three weeks. 
but you know, to your point, like how much are they going to be able to accomplish against a Falcons offense that like you you know what's coming? But as we just learned last week with New Mexico, who has a pretty good defense themselves, just because you know it's coming, and just because you have talent that that works to frustrate elsewhere, you know, there's going to be a lot of pressure on that front seven to you know put the clamps on that in the same way that they that they have in weeks past, and I think that's probably their saving grace because. Even if the offense has been sort of touch and go, one thing that has worked reasonably well for them is their run defense. You know, on the year they're they're allowing a shade over four yards per carry, which is not too bad. But it's going to depend a lot, I think, on the linebackers in particular cleaning up. So there's going to be a lot of pressure in particular on guys like Cameron Carter, you know, Dequan Jackson, Drew Kulik. That trio is going to be probably in the in the middle of a lot of trying to bring brad roberts down i guess is what i'm saying overall yeah that's tricky he's a good player matt <laughs> that's right what is okay when we look at the rams they do have a clay millen is he going to be our freshman of the year for the offensive side i i i mean right now he wouldn't be my pick who's your pick i'm just i'm just thinking offensively not overall defense for everything so uh, you know what? Who's your... I've been working on the full list. Sorry, I don't have the full I didn't list. I didn't work, that's why I brought it up. It's okay. No, I just said he's been pretty, he's been fine, but they've been Jay Norville's offense have been like, yeah, let's make sure you're successful, but he can't do much with 43 sacks this year. But the real hero on offense that gives him chances, Avery Morrow, Avery Morrow, who's, who's been coming on late the past couple of games, past what, past month or so. So if they're going to get anything going against Air Force, and the big thing is not just him running the ball because he's had four of his last five games has been 100 yards and he didn't play for his Boise. I think he was hurt in that game. So, and he gets the ball a lot 20 plus. When he plays like a full game, he's getting 20 plus carries, particularly mm-hmm. in the past month or so. I'm trying to go game by game here. But ever since that Nevada game, he's been playing quite a bit. Um, yeah, so it's like what he's had 20 point, 22 or more carries in five, four of his last six games or seven games, I should say, three or four. But now, see, I don't they have to score. No, they have to score and they have the ball. That's what I'm getting at. With like, if because Air Force is the best way to win is keep the ball away from Air Force. So, if Morrow gets those 20 plus carries and he's successful, they can't just hold the ball, they have to get touchdowns if they get close. That's the only way they have a chance in this game is hold the ball away and just go for touchdowns, be aggressive. If it's if, if they're kicking field goals or if they just stall out and Morrow's not doing great, they're gonna get their butt kicked easily. Now, see, I don't know if I totally agree with that assessment because one thing that Air Force has often struggled with this year is generating a pass rush. So, you know, while they had five sacks last week against New Mexico, you know, a lot of that has to do with the fact that they were dealing with the New Mexico offensive line, which for the moment is not very good. And so on yeah, it's sort of like a weakness versus weakness kind of thing, in my opinion, where you know, obviously we we've talked ad nauseum about the Rams' struggles in pass protection, but it's anybody's guess as to like whether the Falcons are going to be able to take advantage of that in the same way that they did last week against the Lobos. Like the guys that you would have expected to be bigger factors in that regard coming into the year really have not been like how often have we talked about Vince Sanford this year, for example? Hey, good point. I mean, he does have seven quarterback hurries, but he only has one and a half sacks. 
you know, they have, you know, Peyton Zedroik, who's, you know, recently come on strong in the in the interior of the defense. He has two and a half sacks. I believe one and a half of those have come in the last two weeks against Army and, and New Mexico. But they don't have, like, that guy, that sort of Jordan Jackson type guy um, yeah. to be able to take advantage of that. So, like, if they can give Millen time to throw, the other thing that we know about this Falcons team is that they're susceptible to explosive plays down the field. Well, yeah, we've seen plenty of those throughout the season. But here's the thing. CSU doesn't throw the ball to the field. That's the problem. It's like, so I get it. They don't, Air Force doesn't. Well, they throw, it, they throw it to Tory Horton down the field. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Okay. Apologies for Tory Horton, who's probably the best offensive player in the conference. But point being, typically, they don't throw the ball down the field. And yes, I get Air Force rushing it. Excuse me, uh, pass rush is not very good. But then again, the Rams' offensive line is so bad, this okay pass rush might have a decent day. And they've been turning up a couple past couple weeks with the amount of sacks. What did you say? Five sacks recently? Mm-hmm. So just saying, if you have a bad offensive line, a pass rush that is showing improvement, Rams will probably yeah. have more success or at least more time to throw. I'm still not really going to trust a protection yeah. value, even though they're going up against a, a pass rush that hasn't been great, but they've been doing a little bit better. I'm just... Uh, like, like, I think they'll be more successful than normal, but not. They're not going to blow it up. I think they'll be better than normal, but I still don't. I mean, think they'll be enough. Let's put it this way: like the three quarterbacks that the Falcons have lost to this year were Andrew Peasley, you know, some a combination of of Cooper Lega and and Levi Williams and and uh, Bishop Davenport and Taylor Green. You know, in those three games, I didn't realize the split was that stark in 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 how pronounced their struggles in past events can be sometimes in the seven games that the Falcons have won, they've allowed a completion percentage of basically 50% and only 6.4 yards per attempt in the three games that they've lost. That completion rate jumps to nearly 75%. And their yards per attempt allowed jumps by over two full yards from 6.4 to 8.6. And if you don't think that the Rams can take advantage of that, if they give Millen time to throw, now, like we we've seen flashes of that, they could absolutely steal this game if the Falcons aren't prepared. I think you're. I there's no way. Sorry, I don't think there's any way they steal this game. This could be a Rams fairly easy victory. Excuse me. Oh, my bad. Slip there. Falcons easy victory, but 22 points is too much for me. I think it'll be comfortable, but not dominant. Well, okay. So, luckily for you, the the uh, projections pretty much feel the same way. Yes. Because <laughs> uh, SP Plus does like Air Force ninety six percent win probability, projected margin of twenty nine point seven. Um, FEI also likes the Falcons by twenty four point one, and Parker Fleming, his advanced stats preview gives the Falcons an eighty seven. 0.21% win probability projected margin of about 33 to 17. What do you think is going to happen? What's your score projection? I think it's going to be a little bit closer than a lot of people might suspect. And I think that's because these two teams are probably going to trade a few haymakers on offense. So I would probably take the over. I would take the Rams and the points, but I think I would take the Falcons to win. I'm going to say... 38 to 28. Dude, I, I don't see that many points. I'm going 28-10 Air Force. It'll be a slow burn, and the Rams won't get much done. 
All right. So next game, FS1, 45 minutes later. So get your two screens out for this one, everybody. San Jose State at Utah State. Spartans are a one-point road favorite, which seems about right, up in Logan, where it'll be pretty chilly. So title, we already mentioned title options here. I believe Utah State is officially out, correct? This is only the West mm-hmm. Division. So San Jose State, here's how they can get there. They must win their final two games and have Fresno State lose two games and San Diego State lose at least one of those games. So that's where that split comes in, where it's flipping and we talked about San Diego State. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so that's they need a lot of help to get there. So odds of Spartans getting there, not likely, but it doesn't matter. we got good football. And the way Utah State's been playing, they really need a bowl eligibility. They need to win this game because they have Utah's, excuse me, San Jose State, then Boise State the week after on Black Friday for a morning kickoff out there in the, the blue turf. Mm-hmm. But I, this game's interesting because the way Utah State's been playing better of late, Cooper Legat, when he's out there, they're really good. Um, we guess you what Calvin Tyler Jr. is a, or, yeah, sorry, I think of the Turner from last year. I get those guys mixed up for some reason today. Or this one point, but running back health is a concern for Utah State a little bit. But Spartans have been inconsistent this year. Is that a good way to put it? When you look at yeah, boys I mean, there have been, co- been a couple instances where they just haven't had it all together. Where like the defense like might week. have a great game, but the offense is an off game. Or because yeah, like or even Nevada thirty-five twenty. Nevada CSU were close games, 35-28-2016. They got blown out, obviously, by San Diego State. They bought UNLV. Did UNLV have Brunfield in that game? Uh, six weeks ago? Let me look real quick. No, they did not. I think Cameron he was play. banged up at that point. Yeah, he did not play. But, like, they haven't had a consistent game in a while where it's like, all right, maybe Wyoming, 33-16. Western Michigan, 34-6. It's been a minute, but well, they've been doing pretty well winning, so... I mean, you you talked about Kyrie Robinson being a major factor for this team uh, in yeah. more than one preview. I know that all the time, and that and that was definitely the case last week too. You know, in in the three and again in the six games that San Jose State has won, he's averaged over five yards a carry, five point one one. In the three games that they've lost, he's averaged exactly three yards per carry. And okay. and oh by the way, he has nine rushing touchdowns on the year eight of those have come in the games that they won. So I think it's safe to say that, you know, when you're looking at where Utah state can win this game, it's going to be up front. It's going to be in making the Spartans one dimensional because, you know, we've seen Siobhan Cordero play his a game this year, multiple times, but we've also seen him play his C minus game a couple times this year. And it's the latter that has sort of, you know, it, I don't want to say enabled, that's not the right word, but that has <laughs> been a contributing factor in the Spartans stumbling more often than they can. Like, you know, go back and look at the Fresno State game where he completed under 50% of his throws after coming into the game, having, you know, completed 60% of his throws in three of the last four contests. I think to me, the bigger concern is like the explosiveness has sort of faded over the last month. Like on if you look at just the raw stats, you know, he's, you know, he had a couple of 300-yard games in a row. But, you know, on a yards-per-attempt basis, over the last four games, actually, you know, let me reframe that. In the first okay. five games of the year, going into that UNLV game you mentioned, Cordero, or rather the passing offense for San Jose State, averaged eight yards per attempt four times. 
in the first five games. Do you want to know how many times they've averaged eight yards per attempt in the last four contests? What do you got? Zero. Oh, okay. That's a stark difference. Yeah. And yeah, at the same time, those first five games, zero interceptions. Hmm. And and granted, he's only had three interceptions over the last month. But those are the kinds of things that have started that made a difference against Fresno State and against San Jose. It could be San Diego State last week. So if Utah State can win the battle up front, force him to make plays. You know, it's really hard to predict how well that'll work out because it could go either way. But that, I think, is how you sort of work your way towards building an upset, is forcing him to make plays down the field. Yeah, we'll see what goes on here because with what with these two teams going on here, I I wonder who, like, who... With not much, like one thing I would like us, I'm trying to think of one way to move on from this kind of not move on, but kind of just go on our conversation here. Utah State has a lot more to play for than San Jose State, right? Mm. Yeah. Because, because San Jose State, they're bowl eligible. Great. They want to have a good season. Not that they're not playing right for anything. Like they still have their fallen teammate recently. They're still dealing with that situation. However, they want to uh, move on and grieve and honor him. They're, they're running back. Um, but Utah State really, 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 Matt, really, really wants to win. They're at home. They're not. They. I don't think they. They're. They're. It's only one point game. They're not going to go on the road and beat Boise State next week. I don't think. So this is literally the last chance to get to a bowl game. And the way they're going to do it is kind of what we mentioned. Like we mentioned, Hunter Reynolds. Like he's going to pick off Shavon Cordero in this game. There's a decent chance of how good he is in the secondary. I just wonder what Utah State can do because they've had guys like quarterback play in and out. They've been the most bizarre team this year in the conference. When you go back to, I know it seems like a million years ago that four game losing streak, but remember they snuck by CSU, they snuck by Hawaii. They only beat the they beat Mexico by seventeen, which is fine, but also needed a defensive touchdown to get there. They're not just because they're winning doesn't mean they're playing well. And the Air Force went so kind of anomaly, but they played well and they played well with BYU for the majority of that game. They had that one third quarter that wasn't good. But they're winning, but they're not like winning, like convincing me they're going to go out and beat these teams who are clearly on par, at worst on par, but obviously still above them and better, more talent wise. And so I now mean, they're I think, facing. I think the you're right. Like team. if they're, I think you're right that if they're going to do it, it's going to be because Cooper Lagarde has a really good game. Yeah, but he's been one of one back. of the major challenges yeah. that they're going to face is that that pass rushing tandem of Villami Fajoko and Kate Hall. So like, this is going to be a really big game for Alfred Edwards, Jacob South and Cole Motes, you know, South and, and Edwards have been sort of nicked up and in, by injury in the last couple of weeks, but you know, they're going to need to bring their a game to keep Lega on his feet, give him time to throw within the pocket and things like that. So, you know, to their point, like we haven't really talked about Edwards, but I do think it's worth noting that in terms of like, uh, you know, the pass blocking grades from Pro Football Focus, which again, you can take that with a grain of salt if you like, but he's actually the number one pass blocking offensive tackle in the conference right now with a with a grade in that element of 90.2. So he's been quietly having a pretty good year, maybe his best overall year in that regard. And, you know, it's senior night at Maverick Stadium. They're going to need him 
and Jacob South, who I believe it was announced earlier this week that, you know, he has a year of eligibility left that he's going to be foregoing. So like this is going to be his last game in front of the home crowd as well. They're going to need those big guys to really set the tone on the edges for this offense to be able to do what it wants to do. Also, back to Edwards, he missed a game two due to injury recently as well. So that's yeah, yeah. a little thing to look at. So yeah, so they game, had to do a little bit of shuffling. Yeah, a little bit. But he's when he's there and healthy, good. I was trying to remember. I wanted to make sure to bring it up when you mentioned PFF is great. So like, what do the advanced numbers say? Because this game, like, this is, I think, going to be the most competitive and the most interesting game all weekend. I know I think Boise and Wyoming is the most important game due to winner basically goes to the title game. Wyoming would need, um, no, Wyoming wins out there. That's what it is. They both win out there. I guess Boise. Yeah, you you would not Five. be alone in that regard. Good. What do we got? What do the advanced uh, numbers say? Because I think this is the most interesting game all weekend. That'd be fun. SB plus favors San Jose State. Uh, win probability of 61%, projected margin of five. Okay. Uh, FEI is a little more favorable for the Spartans. They like them by uh, by uh, 10.6. And Parker Fleming, his advanced stats preview gives San Jose State a 56.88% win probability, projected margin of about, uh, if you want to round up, 22 to 19. First, all San Jose State, though? All San Jose State. Interesting, interesting. What do you think is going to happen? I think the Spartans are going to win a close one. Kind of in agreement. What's your score, though? 31 to 28. 31-28. I do think there'll be more points. There'll be a decent amount of points. I'm in, I'm in that same range as you. Um, I'm going to go a little bit higher. I'm going to go 34-30, San Jose State. You know, one thing, one thing I didn't realize before we move on. Yes. Do you realize that the Aggies have won nine straight games in this series? Is there a trophy involved in this series? Do we need to there is one? not. See, but the last, but the last time San Jose State beat Utah State was way back in two thousand and eight. But they don't play regularly because they're with, with no. division formats. They probably play. That's still impressive, though. So nine times includes the whack, right? Two thousand eight, obviously. Yes, it does. Interesting. Trying to think of what rival that this could be. You got the Bay Area, you got Northern Utah, you got the farming industry of Utah State, you got the milk, the dairy thing, the ice cream bar they got there. We'll think of something here. So we both got San Jose State winning to go seven and three and not going to win the West Division. Sorry, I don't think that's gonna happen. Next game. Nah. This one, oh boy. This Okay, I'm going to say it right now. This might be well, – well, let's introduce the game first. 7.30 Pacific, 8.30 Mountain Time, CBS Sports Network, Fresno State at Nevada. Fresno is a 22.5-point favorite, over under 54 points. I honestly think, no joke, no joke, this will be the biggest blowout of any game we've seen all year in conference play. Really? What makes you think it's not going to be like 50 to 50 to 3? I mean, I, I... – I mean, I understand say, what on. you're saying. I understand what you're saying. Like <laughs> instinctively, when I think about these things, I I try not to think, man, is it going to really be that bad? I but Boise crushed him last week, and Boise's offense is not as good as Fresno's offense. That's true. And that Nevada is very is true. Just, Nevada's just plain bad. That's all there's to it. Our buddy Brandon, thank you for doing the work you do, but we know it's tough to watch. It's it's okay if you turn it off occasionally. We're good. We're with you. <laughs> 
So then is it is it worth talking about like just you know, the potential bright spots that you want to see the wolf pack build upon? Of course, yeah, we stretch. Can, we'll get to that because what like we know Fresno State offensive line isn't ideal, so will Don Peterson have a game? That's a possibility. Maybe keep them close if he has like a strip sack or something. They get some cheap points to keep it somewhat within range of not being a, an embarrassment. That that's I think it's a real possibility there, but that's a a spot Nevada could look forward to having an advantage on. Yeah, I mean, I think in addition to that, you know, I can't remember if we brought it up in the last podcast or not, but one sort of interesting emergence on defense in the, in the front seven in particular has been Drew Watts, who interestingly, before last week, had a tackle for loss in eight straight games. Like he's he's quietly been a pretty good contributor in that defense, and he's a redshirt freshman. So he is likely to be exactly the kind of player who, you know, once Peterson graduates this year, is going to be the kind of guy that they can build around. I think that, you know, the bigger problem for the Wolfpack in this game is, you know, the explosive plays have continued to be a problem in the passing game in particular, which with with Jake Hayner coming to Reno is probably going to continue to be a problem. And at the same time, you know, their ability to force turnovers has sort of has sort of petered out a little bit, hasn't it? A little bit, yeah. I'd, I'd agree with that. Like, yeah, they've, they've continued to generate, like, they've, they've had one turnover in each of the last five games dating back to the Colorado State game in early October. Problem is, they're making more mistakes on offense than they were early in the year, too. So while there's still you know plus seven on the year, a lot of that is that you know early season results that they had against New Mexico State and, and Texas State. You know those two games they were plus nine. You know the rest of the season they've been minus two, and they've lost the turnover margin I believe in two of their last three games. So you know, against a team with superior firepower on offense like the Bulldogs have, you know, to your point, like, yeah, it's, it's definitely a work in progress. This one is not likely to look pretty, but the one the way that they can at least make it look respectable is just avoiding the killer mistake. Like, they cannot afford to beat themselves. Yeah, that's that's hard to do, right? I think for this Nevada team. Yeah. Uh, like, like, what are we going to see from like quarterback play, like are we gonna see like it's I just even if Nevada plays the best best game all year, they're gonna still lose by two touchdowns. Like say Toa has a good game running the ball. Let's say with their slinging the ball around passing game actually shows up and is not an embarrassment. The defense isn't gonna be able to stop like when you look at kind of bounce around here, but I was like when we're looking at receiving stats from one of the earlier games we we were talking about when you look at receiving with um, also Jay Kaner's back, obviously, which everybody knows, but we look at October, November, look at what um, like Jalen Moreno Copper Cropper has done. So in October, he's led the led the league in receptions. He's leading the league in yards in in October and in November, he's up there as well with like six hundred yards in six weeks. In the past two games, one hundred two hundred and fifty six yards he has in two games, two fifty seven. He's been just crushing in the past month. And half the time is with Crop or excuse me, with Hayner, half time with Logan Fife. And you also have Remigio as well. Nico Remigio doing amazing as well. 
Nevada's not going to do anything. Like they're no, sorry. This is apologies to Nevada fans. This is not going to go well for you. Like I put in the power rankings, Ken Wilson's going to have a tough year next year. And maybe 2024, we'll see some progress, some legitimate, oh, they're going to be good. Maybe this game, even it's, we're going to watch it. We're going to look into it. But if, if Matt, if I, if I tell you, I've only watched the first half because it's 28 to zero, don't blame me for that. And I tune yeah, in. If, if you're at, if you're at Mackey stadium in, in sub freezing temperatures on Saturday night, you know, that is, this is a game for the truly dedicated among the Wolfpack baseball. Well, so was last week, 41 to three in the snow game. Yeah. Did you happen to see them any the Western Michigan, Central Michigan game Wednesday night at all? Did I did. Any, did you see the human snowman? I, I didn't get a chance to see that, but I did see that it was basically white outside in every direction. It's white out, but somebody made a, it looked like a mannequin. Like I, I think <laughs> it's been picked up by other places, but I had happened to tune in. I'm like, oh, that's snow. I'm like, cool. I'm like, oh, I'll watch for like half an hour because it was a low-scoring game. It's just kind of fun to watch those type of matchups. But they literally built a snowman that looked like a human with that wearing a, a hat. So go find that. It'll, it'll give you a quick smile and wish and not wish, but be gladly, especially you, Matt, where it's not bitterly cold and you probably never see snow where you're at. You don't want to, to deal with that stuff. Yeah, well, not unless I go outside and look up at the mountains now. No, true. Yes, when you get to get to 5,000 plus feet, whatever, there's all snow and it gets a little chilly. But go watch that. So maybe we can see some creative uh, snow. If it, Well, it's not going to snow, so maybe that's the case. But if you're at the game, enjoy yourself. But just there's not much to say about Nevada. There's what's the win probability? It has to be above ninety five percent, right? For Fresno State, has to be. Um. Well, okay. So according to SP Plus, the win probability is eighty seven percent. Too low. Uh, well, you're wrong. Projected projected margin of nineteen point <laughs> three. Uh, FEI also likes the Bulldogs by eighteen point one. And uh, Parker Fleming, his advanced stats preview gives Fresno State an 81.74% win probability projected margin of 35 to 23. Thir- wait, 35 to 23? That's the projection. Who, wait, sorry. Uh, who was that last week? Because I'm flabbergasted. That was Parker Fleming's. But again, Parker, it's, the way hold that, on. The way that his, hold on. No, no, no. Hold Parker, on. do I need to pull away there. my six dollars? <laughs> no, before anybody, <laughs> before anybody is like listening to this in the car and swerving off the road, the profiles like <laughs> there. It is literally just the numbers independent of the team, which means like, no injuries know, accounted for for Fresno State had missing players for over the past. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to. I'm trying. He put out a disclaimer. Something like it doesn't account for injuries, something else. And then I remember the last thing he said was it also does not account for acts of God. So uh, keep that in mind. Fine. Yeah. Re- Absolutely. yeah. Pre- previews are reflective of teams, aggregate stats, injuries, weather, and acts of God are not incorporated. So, so if wait, hold on. If weather's what's the difference between weather and act of God, then I don't, what's Lotus coming? Like, like an earthquake or something. Earthquake or I tornado. Guess. Well, it's still weather, right? <laughs> That's right. I don't know. Just take what whatever you feel that would be. But I'm still going with it. 50 to 10 Fresno State. Ouch. Sorry, guys. No, I mean I can I can definitely see where you're going in that direction. I think it's probably gonna be a pretty uh pretty easy win for Fresno State too. I'm gonna say 41 to 10. 
dude, you're nine points off. You're like, ouch, 50 points. You go 41-10. Give me a break. <laughs> That's right. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Final game of the weekend, 9 p.m. Mountain Time, 8 Pacific, uh, 5 o'clock in Hawaii. Or, wait, time change. No, it's a 7 o'clock Hawaii, 6 o'clock Hawaii, right? 6 p.m. Hawaii time. Still 6 p.m. Hawaii time. It's just their time doesn't change. Some most of our country does in the mainland, not country, but you know what I mean. UNLV is a road 11 point favorite. I know it's technically the ninth island trophy, but it's the golden pineapple forever, right? That's a better trophy name, isn't it? I mean, I think that the name of so, like, you know how they call the Air Force Army the Commander's Classic? Yeah. Even though the name of the trophy is the Commander in Chief's Trophy. Same kind yeah. of thing. Like the, I think the Ninth Island Showdown is the name of the game, not necessarily the trophy, right? I don't care. I still want it to be the Golden Pineapple. I know, Golden Pineapple is cooler. I agree with you. It's a Continue. Name. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So it's on Team Sports One, Team One Sports app. If you're in the mainland, shelling out your seventy bucks, you're dedicated. If you do that, Hawaii fans on Spectrum Pay Per View, I think it's seventy, but I know it's a lot. Um, just go to the game. You're gonna have. We talk about weather mats. Eighty degrees, sun going down. Perfect weather to watch football. You're one of the 10,000 people there. I am surprised it is 11 points because going to Hawaii is always difficult regardless because look at some of the games they've had recently against better opponents. I know that they've been losing, but they hung around with Utah, uh, Utah State. They hung around. Wyoming, they hung around. Uh, Nevada, they won easily. They beat Duquesne, obviously. They've lost, they've lost going- four conference games by, by one possession. They lost by two to San Diego State, yeah, so get four it, yeah. to Colorado State, seven to Wyoming, and seven to Utah State. Yeah, they had the blowout versus Fresno, and yeah, that's it, I think if I'm correct. Oh, yeah, they I mean the, the, Nevada, yeah, they've Sorry. made progress. They have the Fresno games are an anomaly, I think, a little bit, but no, you're right. Like they've been they've been close, and UNLV is a team where they're still trying to fill out themselves, fill themselves out with Doug Brumfield coming back. They haven't exactly picked up exactly where it left off. They had the multiple interception game versus San Diego State, obviously, and a red zone interception, which is doubly killing you when you throw it in at the 10-yard line, you throw it in the end zone. UNLV has lost, what, five in a row? And they are also desperate, desperate to get to a bowl game at four and six. Obviously, they have to win these next two games, which are favored to do. I believe, um, I don't know, in front of me, FPI gives them, I need to look up the number exactly to get to a bowl at six wins, but... I know these last couple games were tough. Like everybody they played was better than them. Even if they had Doug Brumfield, I don't think they would have beat maybe San Jose State, Air Force. Who knows? Probably not. But no, San Jose State, Air Force, Notre Dame, San Diego State, Fresno State, all those game teams, even with Brumfield there and healthy, probably not going to win. Maybe one of those out of that stretch because they have been better prior to the three games versus. But then again, it's Utah State, New Mexico, North Texas. It's like. What do we got here? We know they they can score points when Brumfield's out there. Like 30 versus Fresno is pretty good. Aztecs, like we mentioned, was the interception issues. Notre Dame, they didn't have him, and they still were 44-21. Not great, but there's a few defensive stuff in there when they got quarterback getting crushed by giant men of giants, and they score touchdowns easily. So that was game was a bit more of a blowout than what it – well, they scored some easy points that game to make the blowout look worse than what it was, even though it was still a convincing win for the Irish. Mm-hmm. But I wonder oh, maybe this is the game where Brumfield's back game what game three he's back that he kind of feels more comfortable and the offense as a whole can get going. And this is a good game to get going, playing against Hawaii, who they've had close games, but they've also had multiple games that give up lots of points. The past two games, given up a hundred points just about 96 points in two games. 
Yeah, I mean, the defense is definitely taking a step back, but I would contend that the more important quarterback in this game is probably Braden Shager. Yeah, no, um, I'd agree. Because, right, yeah, right because I think he's he's been a focal point of improvement for this team. Like, it, it they haven't been, like, world-shaking, but in conference play, the Warriors are actually above average now on a per-play basis. They're fifth in the Mountain West you know, taking into account Mountain West conference games only, you know, 5.47 yards per play, that's actually better than what UNLV has managed, even with Brumfeld having been back in the last couple of weeks. Problem has been, you know, one, he hasn't been as accurate as Brumfeld has been on the year, not even close, really. Um, you know, basically since he took the starting job, he's had one game where he's completed 60% of his throws. But the more problematic thing and what really doomed them last week in Utah State in particular is the interceptions. Because you know, yes. he now has 10 interceptions in, in 328 pass attempts. Like I'm trying to do the math on that interception rate. You know, that's a 3% interception rate that's probably not as good as it could be. And so on, on that front, you you the the, the decision making has been hampered a little bit in recent games. He's had at least one pick in four of the last five contests that the Y has had, and nearly every single one of them has been impactful, I guess you might say. So, you know, obviously Brumfield in the way that he has not necessarily finished drives has been, I think, the more attention-grabbing thing. But, you know, we've seen that the the, the Hawaii running game has been more explosive, and you know, between Par- Dedrick Parson, Tyler, and Hines, but they they started to get healthier. Like Zion Bowens has been pretty effective since he's been back. Jonah Panoke just got sure. back from injury last week. He had five catches for 70 yards. So they're getting back to the offense that they envisioned having. Pieces are there. It's just a matter, I think, of whether the execution is there because UNLV is still kind of deep defense where even if they give up a lot of explosive plays, they can still make Shager pay for throwing an errant throw. Like they can still you know, generate an interception or two and give them some breathing room that way. Yeah, well, yeah, because he had, what, did he have a 300-yard passing game last week? Uh, Shaver? Yeah, didn't he? Uh, you know what? Play. I just closed out of that tab, so I'm not sure. No, I just remember because we didn't recap. The, yeah, he had a, oh, sorry, though, he had, let's see. But, oh, my gosh, this is embarrassing. Yes, 306, two TDs, but three picks for Utah State. That's what it was. Yeah. So he... Like his completion rate is still an issue. He's not doing amazingly in that front there, like barely hovering around 50, just above fifty percent. Like his best game was of late was versus CSU, but the mm-hmm. picks are an issue. And Rebels say some guys back there who could pick the ball off, possibly. And they have plenty of defenders who can stop Dedrick Parson, whoever's running the ball back there. I think this will be. I think that was eleven points. That seems kind of a lot, partially because it's a road game, and partially because. Hawaii or some UNLV still they're fine, but they haven't been what we thought they would be. Well, that's also incorrect to say they've just been trying to find himself the past month without Doug Brumfield. Now he's back for another game. So there's why I'm kind of hesitant where like maybe they'll win, maybe they'll win 36 to 12 or something. I don't know. It's a weird number to throw out there as well for the final numbers. But I think with Brumfield back for another game, it's kind of like Cooper Lagos situation. The more he comes back, a bit more comfortable playing unless why runs the ball pretty well. And Schrager has fewer mistakes, or Schrager, excuse me, I don't know why I said Schrager, but 
I think 11 is too many for this game. I, I, I would not be surprised. It would not sh- overly shock me if Hawaii were to upset and get this win. I think they can do enough if they're on their game, like you mentioned with Bowens, with Shager, no few mistakes, not getting sacked. There's a potential they could win this game versus UNLV, and Rebels won't be going bowling after a promising start. Well, you know what? You know one guy's name that we didn't mention in all this? Who do we got? Aiden Robbins. That's right. He's pretty good. I mean, if you're worried about Brumfield, why not just give it to, to Robbins 20, 25 times and let him run? Against yeah, gonna... uh, what has continued to be a fairly you know shaky you know Warriors run defense. Why not? He's almost a thousand yards. He's at eight hundred fifty yards in the year, doing about in conference play over four yards per carry, rushing touchdowns. Not been great lately. I think he has nine on the year, but yeah, I mean because because the Warriors have improved, especially from where they were in non-conference play. Like in their in their five non-conference games, they were allowing almost seven yards of carry. Like it was not oh, pretty. Um, so like that has dropped to to a shade under five yards per carry at this point, four point nine five. Downside is that's still last in the conference. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they still haven't found a lot of uh, reliable disruptors in the front seven. Like, you know, John Tweet Poe looked like he might be the guy for a time. Um, you know, still kind of a work in progress. Jonah Kahai Welch has uh he's been, you know, he's flashed here and there. Blessman Ta'ala's flashed here and there. But I think if honestly, you know, given Hawaii's struggles in that regard, you know, if you're looking to sort of keep the Warriors at bay and you know look to try and play opportunistic defense and, and balance that out with an effective offense lean on your ground game against this defense yeah well it, it, it's a good that's a good point what do they make numbers take because i i do i i wonder if they think it's going to be like a single digit outcome uh not quite uh oh, the, the uh, sp plus does favor unlb 74 percent win probability projected margin of 10.9 Excuse me. FEI also likes UNLV by 15.8. And uh, Parker Fleming, his advanced stats preview gives UNLV a 68.44% win probability, projected margin of about 26 to 20. Interesting. Kind of close. What do you think is the score going to be? I do think that Hawaii is probably going to put a scare into the Rebels. Like, I would definitely take the points in this one. Because I, I like enough of what I've seen from the Warriors' offense. I think the problem is that they are probably still a little too mistake-prone for their own good. So I think that they'll, I think Hawaii will cover, but I will take Utah, UNLV to win. I'm going to say 31 to 24. For Hawaii? For UNLV. Oh, sorry. I thought you said Hawaii to win. Like, oh, boy. That's a... No, Hawaii to cover, UNLV to win. So you have the... Technically, that's the under because it's 55 and a half. Just so you know, if you're wondering about those things, people, yeah, from that score. Uh, yeah, I think it's gonna be close. I, I, I want to, I'm gonna see you at UNLV. I don't think there are that many points. I just, I just, nah, I just don't think that's the case, but I'm gonna go 26, a weird number. I know why not 26 21 UNLV. I think this is gonna be a, a game worth staying up for, as all Hawaii games are. Yeah, and it's also now earlier because the time change didn't affect the majority of the country. Exactly. In a good way. So it's 11 Eastern, 8 Pacific. Not too bad. Not up super late, but up pretty late. Because guess what? That Fresno Nevada game is only half an hour before, and that's going to be over by the first quarter, right? That's right. 
<laughs> my prediction holds true. Anything else we'd add about this week? Any other title things we didn't get to? Mentions of how... I believe we covered everything. To, uh, with, Boise okay, State, Wyoming, Fresno State, San Diego State, San Jose State. That's who's left in the running. Okay, really quick. Fresno win in the end. Yes. So Boise. So we could be seeing a oh here. Let's go over this really quick before wrapping up here. Because there's title how they would host. Um, if Boise defeats Wyoming, Broncos will host a title game. Mm-hmm. If Wyoming wins the final two games, they will host a title game. I'm guessing that's correct. I I'm assuming because neither yes, team because they be would have they would have the head head over Boise to clinch the Mountain Division by winning out, and by winning in the season finale at Fresno State, they'd have the head to head against the Bulldogs as well. It's I thought it was by the rankings, or then it goes like CFP, which neither team would neither of these would get in. It does not go to computer rankings. I thought after that, if nobody's ranked, they average like old BCS computers. Um. Well, I... <laughs> you know what? Let's see. A loss in the finals. Well, I think it would depend on whether or not San Diego State and San Jose State lose as well. There's a lot going on. But I would yeah. safe to assume if Boise wins out, they're going to host a title game. I'm guessing Wyoming would because of the better record that seems likely they'd be ranked higher. And it looks like the way Fresno could host if obviously they went out and then Boise loses the final two games because then – They'd be dropping like a rock in whatever rank standings they use or ranking. Yeah, because I mean, if if Wyoming wins out, they'd be seven and one. The best that a Mountain West team from the West Division can do would be two losses. So they would they would host it at War Memorial. Okay, that makes sense. Ooh, do we want to title? Interesting. There, we can have some weather situations for the host because odds are it's going to be a Mountain Division team, right? It seems like. I do not think that Pokes fans would mind throwing it back to 2016. Perhaps with a different result, though. Definitely, yeah. Or we or Fresno State host going to Boise and winning on the snow on the final play there with Ron Rivers. So a lot of stuff going on this weekend. So check out all the games, mwr.com. All of our previews are, well, I shouldn't say all, but I believe the majority will be up by the time you hear this. Just check out all that stuff. Our power rankings are out. Bull stuff is coming out, too, because season's coming to the end. Um, do you think, real quick, is, is UNLV going to make a bowl game this year? Four and six. They had to beat Hawaii and Nevada. Are they going to do it? I think if I think if they can survive Hawaii, then they will. Yes. Well, they have they have to. Yeah, I know <laughs> what I'm saying. If they can, like I, like I said, I think it's going to be a much more competitive game than a lot of people might think. But if they you. survive that, then I think you know beating Nevada is a. I think at this point, um, probably more of a, a a clear-cut favorable situation to be in. Okay. All right, let's wrap it up here. MWR.com. So we'll see if Rebels. I'd, I'd like for them to beat the bowl game. It may be Utah State, Utah State could as well, but that's going to be trickier. So again, MWCWire on Twitter, MWR.com. And we'll be back in a couple of days to recap these games and just uh, we'll have our picks posted on Thursday or Friday. We'll see in a day or two. But get ready for a great weekend because only a couple left of football season.